Hey everyone, before we get into the episode today, we wanted to share some exciting words from our new sponsor for today's episode, Griffin Gaming. GriffinGaming.co.uk is your one-stop shop for all things Shatterpoint, and they're gearing up for the newest release of the new squad packs arriving on the 26th of January. The fearless and inventive squad pack features Luke Skywalker, Leia, Lando, and Bar2D2 as they infiltrate and attack Jabba's palace. The squad is highly mobile and is looking to quickly beat down foes while controlling them through conditions and attrition. The Fear and Dead Man Squad Pack features another incarnation of Darth Vader, accompanied by his stormtroopers. Now this box is all about letting Vader shine as he brings a unique identity to the game. It fundamentally shifts how you and your opponent view activation order, and the units hit hard and offer some very interesting synergies in order to take down their foes. So whether you're a diehard Star Wars fan or are just looking for a new and exciting tabletop game to play, check out Star Wars Shatterpoint at griffingaming.co.uk to make your online orders. The physical location will also be hosting learn-to-play events regularly, so you can swing on by and learn to play before you buy in. We're all super excited about additional releases for Star Wars Shatterpoint, and the introduction of the Rebel Alliance and the Empire is amazing. So again, check out griffingaming.co.uk so you can jump in and play Shatterpoint. You can also use the code HelloThere5, that's all lowercases with the number 5, to get an extra 5% off their already discounted prices. Again, it's griffin.gaming.co.uk. Hello there. we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to our podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are we doing today, Amon? We're doing well, Jesse. Excited today to talk about one of the best characters in pop culture and a different variation of this character, our second version of this character, as well as the beginnings of the Empire. So I'm quite excited. Absolutely. We're back on the dark side today, and our first empire episode of the new year which is also great because i think we're going to be saying that a couple times this year and what's cool about this amon is i know we had the inquisitors the inquisitors are great the grand inquisitors uh, such a cool character but i don't think we got a picture of what empire is through that box and i think we are getting a picture of what empire is today through this box the inquisitors to me feel like more of a standalone flavor of empire i agree i mean the inquisitors are in this weird space where they're empire but they're also force users so yeah. They definitely have to play differently than the rank and file members of the Empire, especially because they operate outside of the military chain of command for the most part. They only report directly back to Vader or the Emperor, but also, yeah, they're just not like the core troops, right? So I think we saw some inklings of what Empire might be doing in terms of mechanics and things like that. For example, taking damage through vader one jedi hunter to gain some sort of benefit through their identity we're starting to see perhaps that empire might include more take damage to do other things on the battlefield as evidenced by some of the unit guards today which i'm quite excited to talk about so i think we're finally getting an idea of, of what empire is shaping up to be and it's exciting because you can definitely enjoy empire synergies with the inquisitors but I think I'm more excited to show everyone that Imperial Stormtroopers are quite precise. But before we get into that today, we have some people to thank and mention. Hello there is affiliated with Mr. Laser at mr-laser.square.site. 
your number one Shatterpoint resource. You can use the code HelloThere5 to get 5% off his already amazingly discounted rate. Perfect time to do so because now we have the Luke Invader boxes up for pre-order. But additionally, the Ewoks are showing up in Mr. Laser's store. So make sure to pre-order your Ewoks, Master Plo, and Luke Invader and get them while you can. And HelloThere is also affiliated with Imperial Terrain, the number one resource for all Star Wars STLs of the terrain of your choice. You can use the code HelloThere5 to get 5% off. And this is a new year, Mond. A lot of us are going to events and helping run events, so terrain's going to be important. Agreed. Now, we couldn't do what we do without our patrons, and our patrons support us at patreon.com slash hellotherecast. I want to take this time to thank all of our patrons, including two of our newest patrons, both at the Jedi Knight Sith Warrior tier. Thank you to Saul and Ben. Excited to have you. Thank you guys so much. And of course, we cannot do this show without our people that are going to shout out every episode, our producers and ultimate producers. We have to thank our producer, Bounty Hunter Brady, and our ultimate producers, Sith and Kevin, Grandmaster Griffin, and Daimyo Matt, keeping balance in the galaxy. Absolutely. Well, let's get into Vader. Let's do it. So we've already done a Vader lore episode, so this is going to be supplement Vader content. But what's interesting is we were looking through the lens of that 20-year gap where Vader was hunting Jedi last time. This time is going to be through the lens of essentially these five years of the original trilogy time, you know? So we're going to pick up right at the beginning, essentially Rebels Rogue One era, all the way to Vader's eventual redemption and death. But I think some points that are important to touch on about Vader is this is a different Vader than the 20 years prior. This is Vader, the commander. This is Vader on the battlefield. This is Vader. He doesn't even draw his saber as much because he doesn't need to. This is Vader where he's built up 20 years of anger, hate, and aggression. Absolutely that. I was going to say infamy in the galaxy where he, where you just know if Vader shows up on your planet, you're not going to have a good time. And case in point, look at what when he shows up on that planet hunting Obi-Wan 10 years in. All the people hiding in their houses and he's dragging people in the streets and stuff. Once again, then you have to turn his saber on. So this is like the Emperor's servant, right? This is Vader and the 501st, which is Vader's fist, is what they're called at this time, going places, essentially, and getting stuff done for the Empire, right? Now, we know the story of the original trilogy. Of course, Vader is at all these important events in the original trilogy, construction of the first Death Star, Battle of Yavin, Battle of Hoth, all the things in between in the comics. And of course, what's interesting about Vader is... As the trilogy goes on, he becomes less of what I'm talking about. He becomes less of this super hardcore menacing machine, and he becomes more man, right? So that's the arc of Star Wars, but what's interesting about that is I think Vader's at his apex as Vader, probably New Hope time to Empire time, right? That time period. And Ahmad and I were talking about this off mic, but AMG, they've made this Vader a nebulous original trilogy Vader, right? I'm on, it doesn't seem like they've picked an exact moment in time. And I think that's wise. I think he fits all the times in this trilogy, right? But he's got quotes from different parts of all the trilogy on his card. So I think that's an indicator of one thing. And also they make this clear that this is the emperor's servant, one of the leaders of the empire. So I think people love Vader so much. I'm on mainly because of this Vader. I know the Jedi Hunter Vader is like really intense and he's edgy and he shows up and he starts murdering people and stuff. But I think people really love Vader, like you said at the top of the show, because his influence on pop culture and 
Vader just shows up. And that's all he really needs to do. Battle of Hoth, the Imperial Walkers and General Veers paved the way for Vader, right? But Vader just lands his shuttle and just starts walking into Echo Base. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just walking. <laughs> and that's the level he's gotten to. And also, he's been invincible. Because if you think about it, the only person who can hurt him in the galaxy at this point in time is the Emperor. And really, no one else can touch him. So not only is he a symbol of the Empire's might and strength and fear that they put on the galaxy, but he's also quite literally untouchable. We see that in Kenobi when Reva tries to fight him. We see that in Rogue One when he's bridging Leia's ship to get the plans. We see that in New Hope and Empire in a myriad of ways. Vader is a symbol, I think, most importantly at this time. What's so interesting about Vader is he's the hero, and then he has the fall, and then he has the redemption again. And I think what's most interesting about his redemption, other than the father-son, family dynamics, all that good stuff, what we touched on the Luke episode last, but I think it's the fact that he is this invincible, impenetrable symbol of power, fear, aggression, all this stuff towards the galaxy, right? And then that gets chipped away by the love of his son. And I don't know, Vader's one of those like super complex characters. And obviously he is the main character of Star Wars. And we've talked about this a lot, right? And there's characters that are catalysts around him and like Luke and other characters like Obi-Wan or even later in the sequel trilogy, someone like Kylo Ren, right? They're all tied to Vader, right? It all goes back to Anakin Skywalker. And what's so interesting about all that is you think about our Anakin episode, what we talked about, Anakin was the symbol for the Galactic Republic, right? He was the symbol of heroism and hope for the galaxy, right? That the Republic was going to win this war and stuff. And that's exactly what Vader is. It's just the inverse for the Empire, right? Vader is a symbol. Vader is a tool. And the Emperor uses him quite well for that. We love Vader on this show. I think we could go on for Vader for a while, but we kind of want to keep it focused on this lens and kind of stop there. And see what you think about a Vader. I'm on. Yeah, I think there was a version, maybe in a parallel universe, where we do this episode recounting some of the more specific exploits he's had during the original trilogy. But the assumption here is you've either seen it or we don't want to reveal too much and we want you to enjoy the original trilogy in your own way. Although I'm sure that a lot of it has been spoiled just through pop culture and memes and things like that. But if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. I think one of the reasons what makes Vader so appealing as a character is while he gets a lot of screen time, he's actually not the main bad guy in Star Wars, right? We all know that it's Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, he's not even the main bad guy in New Hope. It's Ab Tarkin. Exactly. But what makes Vader so cool is that every time he hits the screen, it's impactful in some way. And there's a lot of reasons. I've I've really tried to think about why Vader has been so iconic. And obviously, his look, right, is incredible. His voice is incredible. James Earl Jones voicing him is incredible anytime he shows up like it visibly affects the other characters right everybody treats him with deference and respect and outright fear we hear that he is this incredible jedi or sith at the time who killed all these jedi right so then you assume automatically that he's some powerful combatant he's fearless because nothing ever scares him or phases him he just goes and's like he literally just condescendingly speaks to everybody in a manner in which is like, I'm untouchable. You can't mess with me. And there yeah. are moments where he's ruthless, right? Remove Kenobi from the side. Just looking at the original trilogy here. Yeah. If he doesn't like your answer, you get force choked, you know? Oh, yeah. And he'll throw in some good dad jokes, too, while he's doing stuff to you. Exactly. But <laughs> also, I think he's a little bit philosophical, right? Like, 
he has this deep understanding of the dark side and his power and he uses it almost like a manipulative tool as well he's like you know luke it's your just destiny to join me let's work together and i think it's like all the makings of someone who's extremely successful if you look at someone who's extremely good at business right you don't have to look the part you don't have to sound the part but you have to be really good at it you have to be fearless you have to be ruthless in your business decisions not necessarily to other people you have to be philosophical and you have to be productive and those are all things that vader does which is incredible he of course has that powerful influence and as you learn more about vader slowly and slowly especially at the end of empire you understand the legacy that Vader has created, right? Like without Vader, there is no Luke. And oh, so yeah. it's like, wow, everyone's rooting for Luke. Everyone thinks Vader's cool. Holy crap. You know, <laughs> he's his father. And it's like shock and awe tactic. That was absolutely amazing. What, what a great reveal and really yeah. solidifies Vader to being such this amazing individual. And then, of course, his ending. Spoilers. So maybe fast forward the next 15 seconds if you're not aware. Oh, we've but, already touched on a little bit here already. Yeah. So yeah, I did hear that a little bit, but. He is also the hero, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Lucas has said that he is the main character of Star Wars. And while the first trilogy focused on the father and the second trilogy focused on the son's relationship with the father, yes. at the end of the day, there is no son without the father, right? And so I think that's what makes Vader so interesting, so compelling. And then, of course, he's just visually just amazing to look at and watch. and Yeah. He's literally a force of nature. When he enters the screen, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. He does what he wants and people have to deal with the ramifications. And it's incredible. He's one of those amazing Star Wars characters that not only does he have a pervasive influence on our entire culture for even people that might not be Star Wars fans, but he has an influence on the Star Wars universe during his tenure and post his death. I mean, he's the whole reason why characters like Kylo Ren exist, right? Like, a grandson who's obsessed with his grandfather, right? And he never even met him or saw him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he knows about all the things Vader did and wants to become the next Vader, right? So there's many layers to all this. And, you know, I will mention Amon because you did mention runtime and stuff. So if you combine all the original trilogy together, it's about six and a half hours of a film. Right. Uh, four New years Hope, in canon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Four years in canon. And New Hope being the shortest, being right over two hours and what's interesting about that is in that six and a half hours of time vader only has 34 minutes of screen time that just shows how powerful of a character he is but also like you said star wars does really well with not giving the bad guys too much screen time because it makes them actually more powerful in the screen time they have case in point the emperor he doesn't have a ton of screen time at all but the screen time the emperor has is extremely impactful right but it's just very notable of six and a half hours, Vader has a half hour of that, right? But every scene he's on is so important, right? <laughs> and not just as a villain, as an image, but it's important to the plot and the story both. We did touch on Vader's powers and suit and stuff in our last episode, but once again, he's half machine, he's half man. He is impenetrable in a lot of ways, more than just the force. His A lot of his body can't be hurt in traditional means, right? Physically. And then... The penance he pays, which is very sad about Vader, is Vader's in constant pain, partially by the design of the Emperor, right? The Emperor designed to suit a certain way. And then also he has to spend a lot of his time when he's out of the suit, regenerating in his back to tanks to keep him alive. So there's an element too of him being a monster, quite literally. He's inhuman in certain ways. And what's awesome about that is Luke finds the humanity and his father breaks through all the barriers that everyone's told him and 
we get the hero Vader back again at the end. Uh, we get Anakin Skywalker back, but he's just the greatest villain of all time. I think that's a safe thing to say. I think through story and design, George nailed it. I mean, just that samurai general silhouette, it just still works. <laughs> like Vader's helmet, it's just phenomenal. And Vader has already transcended multiple generations, multiple decades, and I think that'll continue to be for a long time to come. I agree. When I was younger, I... I have a deep appreciation, as many of you do, and as Jesse does as well, of all film and TV and theater in particular as well. And I was in theater growing up and played sports as well, but uh, theater, I truly enjoyed. That was my true passion. And outside of doing the things that you did learned on stage and, and some things like that, you also had to write essays. And so I actually did write an essay in high school, why I thought... Darth Vader was one of the greatest movie villains, iconic villains, just villains yeah. in general of all time. And I was just curious to see if I had it in like my old email and I found a little bit of it. And so it's very interesting because the writing is so elementary looking at it now, but it's quite great because I'll quote myself here. A good villain, in my opinion, is one who is multidimensional and has a real character arc. Not only are they an enigma and they have an aura of mystery around them, they have to be strong and a worthy adversary to the protagonist, and in fact, possess many of the same qualities as them, though misdirected. Isn't that nice. crazy? That is crazy. And so I think it just goes and shows my deep appreciation and love for Vader, but also like he's the perfect movie villain. He's physically menacing again, strong on-screen persona, and he demands respect, right? And yeah. what's cool is when you compare him to Sidious, so Sidious is like, he's just a very one-dimensional character, right? He's evil incarnate. Quite literally. He's just, I'm evil. I want to take over the world. Ha ha ha. You know, whereas Vader is motivated by a real strong ideology. Well, and he's also conflicted, whether that's 5% conflicted or 90% conflicted all the way to the end of Return of Jedi, right? Like there's a dichotomy there, which is great. Yeah. Like I genuinely believe Vader thinks he's the good guy. Yes. Or he thinks he was the good guy and he's trying to like get back to that. But he's in a different worldview and the galaxy needs the empire, right? The galaxy needs this order. And so like he might have to do some things that are actually against what he believes in his core, right? Clearly, right? Anakin, the hero, but he's, this is a new galaxy I'm in and this is how it is, you know? And so let's, let's do what's best for this galaxy, which is honestly what a lot of the guys in the empire actually are doing, especially the low level officers and stuff, right? To give the empire credit where credit's due because they're not all evil, right? A lot of them are just people working jobs. Vader's more complex than that, but that is like a, a facet, I think, of the, our Empire discussion too, which is starting today, right? Completely agree. Not everyone can be Palpatine or just power and evil all the way, right? Now, also, I think some people might not acknowledge the, the hero side of Vader as much, but it's very apparent. And Vader's very tragic character. He's very sad, which is a huge part of Star Wars, right? I know people want this image of Vader that he's just the evil, kill everyone, you know what I mean? Kind of one note. And like Amon said, he's not. That's Palpatine, right? Vader has layers. And I think what's great about him is that he can be that menacing killing machine, but then he can also be the vulnerable being quite literally tortured by the Emperor at times, which is not right, but it's how Palpatine kept him under his will. And also, you know, we're not going to get into it today, but we did even get to a little bit in our Jedi Hunter episode. But Vader's always trying to think of ways to eventually get rid of Palpatine. 
which is the Sith way, number one, but also it is, he doesn't fully agree. I will disagree with that a little bit in that I don't think it's necessarily, I'm sure Vader has thoughts, but I don't think Vader is constantly trying to dispose of Palpatine in the same way that Palpatine is always looking to replace Vader with the next best thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. If you compare them. Yeah. One for one. But perhaps you have deeper insight because I never really think he wants to replace Palpatine, at least the way I perceive it. I think he resents Palpatine and that might lead into yeah the idea that eventually he may want to replace him. But I don't think Vader truly ever cared to be the emperor. I think he was very happy being first among equals after the emperor. He definitely resents the emperor. So you nailed that. I think a lot of this is always in confluence because we've got legends and canon, right? In legends in particular, Vader really had a plan, right? I mean, look at the secret apprentice, our boy Sam Witwer. The whole thing with that was Vader and the secret apprentice becoming the new Sith one and number two. That story is obviously no longer canon. We lost Galen Merrick as a character, but in the Vader comics in particular, Vader's always thinking of ways to definitely get around the Emperor, like do stuff behind the scenes, not quite fully agree with the Emperor. But like you said, he knows his place. But at the same time, he's always looking for an out, I think. Because honestly, if you think about this through the lens of Revenge of the Sith, when we first get Vader, which is Anakin before the suit, Palpatine kind of gets Anakin in a bind, you know, with this whole thing with Padme and losing his soon-to-be twins. And Palpatine just gets lucky by also getting a disfigured, depowered Anakin going forward that he saves his life and keeps him in this prison, essentially. Vader's suit is a prison. So I don't think that Vader would kill the Emperor in the end if, you know, there wasn't always a level of this. But more importantly, Luke was the catalyst that kind of just pushed it over the top, right? You're killing my son. I don't even care if I live or die now. You know, we're going we're gonna to get rid of the Emperor. So... But yeah, I think Vader is one of these characters that we'll continue to return to on the show. We've talked about it time and time again. There's characters in Star Wars. It is a modern fairy tale. Like There's characters that will just keep coming up, right? That played a crucial role in the story. And Vader is one of those characters. And honestly, I'd love to see some interactions with Vader and future Empire releases, Amon. But I think we just got to get right into Vader and Star Wars Shatterpoint today and kind of lay that Empire groundwork. I agree. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about Darth Vader, the Emperor's servant. Darth Vader is a primary unit who brings seven strike points and three force. Now, important rule to recall and remember here, this unit cannot be included in a strike team with Anakin Skywalker. So, yes, Darth Vader and Anakin are the same person, although they are two different people in terms of a persona. This is just an extension of the, I can't have OB2 and General OB in my list rule yeah no absolutely this this is just a a very clear way of saying let's say you don't know anything about star wars this is still anakin skywalker so you still have to follow that rule yeah darth vader is just the new dominant personality as he's suppressed yep anakin skywalker as he's famously said now in the end of kenobi which i killed him not you yeah that's right then my friend is truly gone Darth Vader, the Emperor's Servant, also comes with 12 stamina, which is perfectly in line with his previous iteration. Also, 3 durability, Force user, Galactic Empire, and Sith. Love it. Still the highest stamina model in the game. Don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So the two Vaders remain to be highest health pool. As they should. 
Darth Vader comes with a tactics ability called You Don't Know the Power of the Dark Side. At the start of this unit's activation, it may remove two damage or one condition from itself, then refresh a force. Obviously, it's fresh in my mind, but we just did our Luke episode, and obviously this is a a different version of Luke's start of his turn act tactic, which is father and son are getting a force back, and they're getting some sort of effect. Luke's is jumping around. Vader's is two damage or a condition. I'm on. I love that. Because, I, I mean, spoiler alert, I think a good way to deal with this Vader might be conditions. Well, not anymore. Right. <laughs> I think you definitely want to disarm him. For and we'll sure. talk about that why disarm is actually very interesting with this particular Vader in a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talk about his identity. But oftentimes, just pinning a fighter who generally is slower, as this Vader is, this is the more menacing advancing Vader versus the younger Vader who's trying to act and move like an Anakin, but also not, is, I guess say this guy just lost the spring in his step is the best way to phrase it. He also doesn't need it because he just walks everywhere. Like I yes. said, like, you want to try to snipe me? I don't care. I'm going to keep walking towards you. Absolutely. That's Vader. And just thinking about this as a whole, right? Like, okay, if I'm pinned, cool. Your pin is not effective against me because I have just removed it. I don't have to suffer the consequences because at the beginning of the turn of the activation, I remove it. Disarm. I need to hit something. You disarm me. Ah, I still get to hit at my full ability. Strain is interesting because... Like, I think there are moments where you might just want to heal the damage rather than the condition. Like, if you're exposed and if you haven't taken that much damage, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you're right. just trying to go back up to top and be fine or, or vice versa. But I doubt there'll ever be a situation where you heal the two damage if you have a condition. But if there's no condition, then just healing two damage is just great. And then you get the force refresh and people are wondering, well, the other Vader has four force. This one only has three. That's okay, because in theory, you should get more mileage out of this Vader if you activate him you shadow point him and then of course his identity which we'll talk about holistically towards the end yeah we talked about in our luke episode we've got that range of three to five force through those means of play that amon just mentioned which i think is great because five force is a lot if, if you really do that it's giving you a lot of force flexibility and freedom honestly to be a little bit more reckless with your force spending right tons and tons of benefits now our first active ability here is anger hate aggression this costs a force. One character in this unit may dash. If it does, the character adds three dice to its next attack roll during this activation. If the attack roll contains one or more fail results, this unit gains expose after the attack is resolved. Yeah, this is great. I feel like we've touched on something of this recently with our other Vader conversations, but I love the dash. Three dice is nuts. I love that there's a drawback, though, because you are going full Sith here. You don't have full control of your surroundings, right? But you are getting more power and aggression out of it. But you're leaving yourself a little bit open, potentially. Exactly. I think this is a perfect ability in terms of the way it's designed. You get a dash. It's great. Most units get some sort of dash or can be dashed by other units. You get three dice to your attack roll. Awesome. Spoilers, that's going to bump your attacks from... 7 and 8 to 11 and 10 respectively, depending on your stance. But with a high volume of dice comes a greater increased risk of you rolling a fail. If you do, you gain exposed. And that's okay. I think that's totally fine. I mean, it's it's worth the cost in some situations and in some situations, it might not be worth the cost. And you can still use it just to dash. You don't have to make the attack. Oh, good point. Yeah, because 
anytime you have an option, right? That's great. I, I also like that it says the next attack you make. And I don't want to get too in the weeds here with this, but it is a little bit different from Vader's Your Hatred Makes You Powerful, where it says an allied character makes a melee attack as part of a combat action. I think what's interesting about this, Amon, is the wording of this ability is actually more akin to Hello There on General Kenobi, where it says additional dice to its next attack roll during this activation, as opposed to Vader Jedi Hunter, which says they may suffer damage when they target the opponent if they do the attacker adds three dice to the attack roll. Now, the distinction I want to make with this is Vader 2 does not lose his dice. General Kenobi does not lose his dice if, let's say, something stops the attack like a intercede or a mind trick. I think that's a very valid point. You're absolutely correct. So Jedi Hunter Vader would have to first choose. The attacking player would choose whether or not to use your hatred makes you powerful first by suffering the damage. And then in the case of Mind Trick, the defending player would then choose whether or not to use Mind Trick. And then if the attack was ended, the bonus dice are then lost because they apply to that specific role only, which is the point Jesse is making. But with the cool thing about this Vader, as Jesse has pointed out, it says to the next attack roll. So mm. if my first target gets Mind Tricked, if there is anyone else to be in range, and I still get those bonus attack dice. Yeah, it's great. You just never lose them, right? Which I think is a good thing. Um, right, so you'd still go up plus one if you were mind trick because mind trick makes you lose two. Of course, and then you get plus three, so it's of it's still a net positive. Now you still get the expose, which is why I appreciate that it works this way because <laughs> yeah, outside I, of some crazy dice rolls, you're getting exposed more often than not. Yeah, but I also like too that it's just yeah we're using mind trick as a reference because it's prevalent in the game right now, but it also. We're, we're stating this now to be evergreen and open to you because if any other effects come in the future or if any attacks get redirected somehow or something, Vader's keeping his dice. That's the important thing to know because it, it does have this clause at the end that Jedi Hunter does not have, but that General Kenobi has. They obviously made a distinction between these two and they want a distinction, right? I think the most important part of it is next attack roll during this activation. That's just what you have to remember, right? You're, the options are still open to you. But yeah, it's a great ability. Absolutely. Well, we then go to a reactive ability called You Are Unwise to Lower Your Defenses. This is for a force. When a character in this unit is targeted by a melee attack, this unit may use this ability. After the attack is resolved, if the attack roll contained one or more fail results, the attacking unit suffers three damage. This is interesting because the Sith have repost a lot. This is a buffed up repost that you have to pay the force for. And then you have to see a result, right? So we've talked about this multiple times with Obi-Wan's Uncivilized. We talked about it again with Luke's recently. And now we're talking about it again with Vader's Amon. So what are your thoughts? You weren't too high on Luke's because you, there's no guarantees, right? Right. This one's a little bit different because it's a reaction, mm -hmm. I think. So the important thing to remember with any effects that are based on the randomness of dice rolls is you can never plan for them. No. So it's more of a bonus. So let's say you're in this perfect scenario where someone makes an attack against your Vader and maybe your Vader is wounded. Maybe they aren't. And you have some extra force lying around because they did indeed roll a fail. You pay for it. You deal three damage to them. Oh, they're wounded too. You keep the point, right? That's the ideal scenario. Outside of that, it might be trying to set up for some extra pieces. Maybe you have characters like Django who can maybe do reactions to do damage and they can compound over time with chip damage through many abilities. Maybe you're just feeling a little spiteful or maybe you know that your deck is about to refresh and you have some excess force 
lying over and you want to use it. It's cool. It gets more expensive as Vader takes more wounds. So I think you're probably going to see this if you do see this earlier in the game, though I think yeah. in these situations, who knows, man, if you have to spend three force to save a point that can help you win the game in struggle three, you're going to do it. And I think we're also going to be transitioning into an era where I don't think people are realizing this as much, but the original trilogy is more blaster based. Oh, yeah. There are less force users walking around punching. Thanks to Vader. Right. Thanks to Vader. So while every character should have some sort of melee ability, I would mm-hmm. not be surprised if most units prefer blasting you. And so I think this might be a thing to consider moving forward now in the current release cycle of this fighter. And again, we're trying to make this evergreen episode. So I think Jedi and Sith will always be popular at Star Wars. So he's going to be someone that people are going to try to fight. And I think this might catch someone unawares. But again, nice to have, but not something you should rely on. And I have this stance for all abilities, repost, deflect, etc. Yeah. And I think Vader wants to be engaged, right? We're jumping ahead a little bit, but I think he wants to be in the enemy team's face and making them make decisions to get away and stuff, right? So fits his kit perfectly. Agreed. Now we go to an innate ability, which is cool. This Vader has a tactics ability, an active ability, a reactive ability, and an innate ability. So he's got the whole suite, which I think is really cool. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. When a character in this unit wounds an enemy unit after the effect is resolved, another allied galactic empire character may dash. First of all, I want to talk about how I adore this ability because I think this is like a mini identity. Like this is like a Lumi partial identity thing for empire, right? That is so cool because we haven't got to his identity yet. So the fact that he kind of has two identities, in my opinion, that's what I'm going to call this like a mini identity. I just think it's so great. And it's compounded by running all Empire with Vader. It just gets better. I think you have summarized that very well. Took the words right out of my mouth. It does feel like a mini identity. And the Lumi comparison is excellent because it is truly half of her identity or a third of her identity. So speaking of identities... Let's move on to you cannot hide forever. At the end of this unit's activation, if no character in this unit wounded an enemy unit during that activation, and if this unit's order card is not in the order deck or in reserve, shuffle its order card into your order deck. So I think we need to have a conversation here about this new mechanic that they've just brought into Shatterpoint where let's say Amon's playing Darth Vader the Emperor's Servant, and I'm playing a list that doesn't have Darth Vader's Emperor's Servant. I'm playing a standard Shatterpoint list as we thought to this point when it, in regards to the order deck. Well, now some of the game state knowledge has changed because your deck is being shuffled at different times than mine, Amon, which is actually changing a major facet of the base rules. That is correct. There's multiple ways and this can actually pan out and there's pros and cons, but absolutely correct. The first thing to note is that if my Vader isn't able to wound anything, mm-hmm. I have to keep activating him. What's great about that, though, is like Vader keeps moving on the board. This is the one of the first facets, but I love that it's it's going to make him surprisingly mobile. But I'm still fascinated and stuck on this feature of our decks are now changing. And it's tough for you as the person running Vader and your opponent to now keep up with what's coming up at what times, right? Yeah, now this is it's interesting and, and there's a lot of layers to it. So first and foremost, it throws off who's refreshing their force because generally in most games player one goes through their order deck player two goes through their order deck and they both quickly refresh their force and quick succession with this one you're not now vader does come with his tactics ability where he gets a free 
force refresh at the start of his activation. Right. So that kind of keeps you in the tank a little bit, especially when he's not wounded, right? Because most of his abilities, in fact, all of them do cost one force. Now, another interesting thing is your opponent can exploit you because if they know that your only activation is Vader, and let's say Vader is not central or not easily able to get to specific points, they can target the points that Vader is not able to protect or get to, knowing that the clapback will be less likely because they know that at a certain point in your deck, after you've gone through all of your units, you might just keep getting Vader over and over again. And I've played a couple of practice games since the reveals, and I have had two very interesting scenarios that have occurred. One has been every time Vader was drawn, he did wound something. It was fine. I never felt the impact. It was great. Because you have to keep in mind, this is Darth Vader. He can wound stuff if he wants to. For sure. I've also had another example where I had everything activated, and the only person I had left that drew Vader last, he didn't wound. I had to go again with Vader. He didn't wound. I had to go again with Vader. He finally got the wound on the third one. But it was super interesting because to me, that felt powerful yeah. in a way. Like outside of Shatterpoint, we can't do this in our game. We can't go with the character back to back. Yes. So there's pros and cons because if you're really trying to push down a, a point, yeah. you can purposefully leave characters on one damage left or two damage left. You don't have to fulfill all of the, the tree, right? So you can actively choose to not wound a character. That's something that For you sure. have to really think and take, take into consideration. So if you want to do two quick back-to-back Vader activations, maybe leave someone on two to three health and then take out someone else. So you're softening one target for the rest of your forces going into maybe a tight struggle. I think it's awesome. But I think there's going to be moments also where the dice do not abide and it's going to be a little frustrating. But I think there are ways to mitigate that. And that means taking units that give expose right, to help make characters easier to wound, which may not necessarily be in this box. There could be in future Empire releases we haven't seen yet. Or maybe going and using Vader to target characters who are already on the brink of being wounded. Yeah. If you want to avoid the cycling. Yeah, I think sometimes you don't want to avoid the cycling. I think you want Vader to go a couple times in a row, right? Yeah. So these are all options open to you. The interesting part about that is now the entire flow of the shuffling of the deck has been changed for the rest of the game. And that's what's most compelling to me about this Vader for the person piloting him and the opponent. So we've said on the show, I think multiple times in our tenure, the Shatterpoint is very chess-like. You move a piece, I move a piece. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of setting up avenues of attack and defense. And half of the reason why it is chess-like is the fact that I know everything that's in your discard and I know everything that could come up, but you're drawing your deck, right? Because I know, okay, I know Amon's got Shatterpoint, Vader, Maul left. That changes now, right? That changes for you as the person piloting Vader, but also for your opponent. And I think that's absolutely fascinating because past just what you said, Force is refreshing a different time. It's changing the information on the fly for you and your opponent, right? Which was common knowledge before, and now it's changed a little bit. So I think it's cool. I completely agree with you, Jesse. I think you've summarized that very well. And I think it's super exciting to see what players can do with this perfect information, right? We love using this chess example, but you know that maybe I can only use Vader or I can't, or maybe I know exactly what activations you have. And I think the best way to differentiate this Vader from the other Vader outside of their obviously very different unit cards is this is perhaps the more mature and thoughtful Vader. And that is resonating in the player himself, right? Younger Jedi Hunter Vader is like, 
I'm angry. I want to kill everything. I'm going to make and help everyone kill everything. This one is, I'm going to apply the maximum amount of pressure and power and force into one specific point to break the enemy. And I think it's so thematic when you look at it through that lens. And I think your summary with that lens is, is, uh, is fantastic. I think that's an awesome way to look at him on. So good point there. And I think that should lead right into his trees and forms because I want to hear about how this Vader is different on the battlefield. Absolutely. Now, what I really enjoy is that there is a difference between Form 5 Gemso and Form 5 Xi'an. Now, Jesse, you are more learned in this space than I am. But if you could quickly recap for the listeners here, these are both Form 5. So what's the difference between Gemso and Xi'an? We talked about this before, loosely on the show, but yeah, great question about Xi'an because I don't think we've talked about it enough. This is just cool Star Wars stuff that you've got two facets of one form, right? One is Jim So, form five on the attack, essentially, and Xi'an is form five on the defense, right? But the distinction there is this is not form three, Seresu, which is purely defense. This is a defensive form of Jim So. That's the easiest way to just quickly describe it. And I think they've even called it in canon, Jimso is like the way of the crate Dragon, and Xi'an is the way of Perseverance, something mm. like that. So two facets of the same powerful form. What's interesting about Xi'an and Jimso both, not many Jedi did it, you know? And I, I think that's so fascinating. And obviously, our hero characters, namely Anakin, Luke, Vader, were some of those prominent Jimso people out there. But I do love that Master Plo taught it to Anakin. That's part of the lore there too, which is very good. But picking up on a final thought here, Iman, is we did touch on Seresu, how Xi'an and Seresu are both very defensive, especially against blaster bolts. But what's interesting about Form 5 as opposed to Form 3 is Form 5 is always ready to strike back. It's always looking for an opening. Form 3, not so much. Think Obi-Wan in the hallway on the Kenobi show on the underwater Inquisitor base. He's just blocking bolts back the whole time. He's never looking to get a stormtrooper right he's just blocking it all back jim so even Xi'an, you're waiting for an opening and you're gonna find it it's cool man because it's like the obi-wan example you gave is obi-wan will wait for you to mess up and then take advantage of you yeah where darth vader is actively trying to mess you up while blocking which is really cool it's very vader too so it makes a lot of sense i like it well let's start with jim so five and five on defense for both melee and range eight dice on melee we love those mm-hmm. anakin dice anakin dice well yeah that that tracks so looking at the expertise here defensive form one to two a block turning a crit to a strike three plus two blocks turning a crit to a strike so not super defensive here jesse what are your thoughts a lot of raw dice but you're leaving yourself exposed right which i think is kind of the intention because you're getting a lot of raw dice on attack not a lot of raw, di- raw dice on defense i like this expertise, but obviously it's going to punish you if you roll a lot of expertise. I, I think it's consistent at low numbers. Yeah, I think, you know, on five defense dice, you can expect to roll one to two expertise. I I don't know the dice probability and the, the averages, but I'm just assuming based on anecdotal experience that, you know, generally you're getting one to two. So I think it's reliable. You can always count maybe for that block and turning a crit to a strike. But one block is not a lot. That's true. Yeah. I Anything that reduces crits, though, is just great in this game true true because because they're just the killers they'll they'll get you (laughs) well let's go to his offensive expertise here okay lightsaber one expertise two strikes two to three two strikes and a critical 
four plus three strikes and a critical. It's a lot of raw dice. I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's basically just saying that Vader's attack dice are very consistent. Like all the paint is pretty good, you know? Because look, these these conversions are right here. They're just, you're getting one for one in a lot of cases, or you're getting two for one, right? <laughs> so I think that's great. I think the four expertise is, is crazy. Where You're just like, oh yeah, getting a crit and I'm getting four results. And one of them is a crit. I agree. I really like this expertise. At the worst case scenario, you're getting two extra strikes to your attack, which is awesome. Yeah. Best case scenario, you're getting additional strikes plus crit. It's solid, and I think it really helps with the dice variance that sometimes we might see. And it's important because let's look at this tree here. Sometimes we've talked about Push City and Chris City. I think this is probably one of the most damage-dense trees we've seen since perhaps the days of the core box, right? Yeah. I mean, it's giving me Anakin vibes. Yeah, giving me mall vibes as well, actually. Just the sheer Oh, yeah, Dark Rage, yeah. Right? So starting off, we have a strain and two damage. Okay. Then we go to two damage. Then we go to two damage. So three results in. It's a strain and six damage. Pretty nice. You can either go up or go down. There's a fork in the road. If you go up, it's a jump and a damage. If you go down, it's a disarm and a damage. So at this point, you're at seven. If you get to the fifth step, which I think is actually quite doable consistently, you're dealing three more damage, which is a total of 10 damage. And then you end on your sixth step with a shove. This I find extremely interesting, Jesse. Okay. Oftentimes, we do see shoves sprinkled in earlier in trees. Or at least like the middle a lot. Yeah. And I think AMG is really smart in the way they've designed this because I can see, and you've actually made this comment a lot on the show, where a lot of people might jump in in Shatterpoint as the Rebel and Empire waves come in, right? Oh, yes. So if this is a great way to pick up and get into the game, maybe outside of the core box, and you're looking at Vader and you're trying to figure out what each stance does, well, this is clearly, I'm trying to kill you stance, Mm -hmm. and the other stance is different, right? Because there's no early shoves. And I think you'll learn over time that there are bits and bobs for both, places where both can excel, but this is clearly defining you when you're using Form 5 Gemso as my goal is to murder whatever I'm hitting. Yeah. Which is very fascinating because it does coincide very well with his identity. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Like, this is also a way you're leaving yourself exposed, too, potentially. If, let's say, you flip to Gemso, you kill something very easily, but now you're in Gemso locked for the turn, and you're not going back in the deck, right? Because you killed something, so pros and cons of both sides. But yeah, I like this shove at the very end because it is... It's a cherry on top that I like because I don't really like to live by all damage. I'd much rather have shoves. And the fact that you're basically killing most things in the game, if not everything in the game, and then you're shoving them if you get your full tree off that point, that's actually great because now they're not set up potentially what they want to do when they wake up. So I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. To me, the shove almost seems like adding insult to injury. Like, yeah, I just for sure beat you up and then Vader just like force pushes you like, get out of my way, you know, like. It's kind of cool. I like it. Also, shout out to the first Vader jump ever so far. I was going to say, I'm very curious as to why he has jump, especially this Vader. But, you know, have we ever seen Vader jump? I don't think so. No, it's too easy for him to even like force lift himself at times, right? (laughs) Like he does on his TIE fighter and rebels. I guess Vader jumps down. I just never have seen him jump up. Hmm. That would be the distinction. Because I feel like his jump abilities like anakin was known for jumping quite a bit yeah but vader has a hard time jumping physically 
does he have a hard time jumping when he can force jump? Because the force true. jump should bypass the armor, right? Yeah, I'm referencing he has a hard time physically jumping. I agree with you. Yes. He just can't. Do we assume that this is him just using the force? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Because like he, he does that type of stuff. Like he'll get on a platform, lift the platform up. Oh, as he's like, you know what oh, I mean? Or while like, he's on it. Yeah, that's or cool. Like, or like Rebels when he's does his super diva entrance on his tie advanced and he's like yes. bringing it down and he's standing on it. Ezra is like looking there really scared. Yeah. I like that. And I think that's how I'm going to envision him jumping. He's just lifting himself up using a piece of terrain. It's perfect. Great visual. All right. Form five Shien. This is what I want to talk about. <laughs> yes. This is a really crazy tree, actually. Before we get into this amazing expertise here, let's talk about the attack profile. Six and six on defense, so markedly better than Gemso. We have five dice on offense range because he has a range four lightsaber throw. And then we have seven dice on melee offense as well, which is pretty cool. Looking at the defensive form here, one expertise, a block and a recover, two to three, two block, a recover, four plus two block and two recovers. Jesse, what are your thoughts on the basic profile and the defensive expertise? I think it's excellent. I think it's also compounded by the fact that Vader has 12 stamina. You got to keep that in mind. So he's very defensive and these recovers are unexpected and exciting. It's actually really good because it compounds with you don't know the power of the dark side, right? So yeah, that's true. That's why I think like he's going to be almost condition proof because if he gets one expertise, you lay down, expose on him, he removes it after your attack is done. Mm -hmm. Or if you put two conditions on him, he removes one, maybe four expertise, he gets both. If not, start of his activation, removes it again, right? So I think it's cool. Going on to his offensive expertise, lightsaber, one to two, a crit, three, crit strike, four plus, two crits, thrown lightsaber, one to three, a crit and a damage, four plus, two crits and a damage. Consistent crits. You got to just love crits on expertise. It's nuts. Honestly, I think we're learning like how important expertise is. And we've been keeping an eye on it since the game's launch actively. And I think the more games we've played as a community at large, we've just learned how important expertise is. And when you get expertise that just gives you consistent crits like this, it's great. Yeah, you can't evaluate a character without looking at their stances. No, how the expertise changes the dice, right? So good. It is really good. Also, I do want to mention last bit on the Shein. Once again, I just could totally just be seeing things wrong, but I picked up on these vibes when we were on the Luke episode. This is very similar to Padme's defensive expertise and including the recovers. So it's like they're all in the similar places. And I'm like, are they doing that thing again? Like, you know, they might be like, like the family, you know? Indeed. Yeah. That could be the case. Maybe he's learned from his wife. Love it. Starting off this damage tree here, we're going to get a shove, the coveted first step shove and two damage. That's about as good of a tile tile you can get in Star Wars Shatterpoint. I yep. wouldn't really say there's anything better than that. Two damage and a shove. Yes. The only thing I could think of actually top of my head is a shove and a pin. For sure. Yeah. That seems kind of brutal. Very brutal. Yeah. <laughs> but let's stay on track here. A shove and a damage. Now there's two tracks. You can either go up or you can go down. We've got kind of Y-wing action going on here. If we take the top path, another recover with a damage and expose and a damage, two more recovers and then a shove and two damage. So a total of six damage, two shoves, three recovers, and an expose. Jesse, what do we think? This is the most defensive option. This is the most control option. This is just, honestly, when you go this path, I think you have the plan of getting Vader back in your deck. 
mm-hmm. and doing more control with yeah. these shoves and recovers. What's cool about this too is he's bringing control for your team because potentially he's recovering his stormtroopers, his allies, whatever around him, right, as well. Well said. Completely agree. If you go down to the bottom tree, starting off with a shove and two damage, you get a pin and a damage. So pretty close, actually, to the ideal scenario we were just referencing. Nuts. Another shove and a damage, a disarm and two damage, and a reposition and a damage. So again, this is making Vader to be quite a control piece. I mean, we're looking at a total of seven damage on the bottom half, so one damage more with two shoves, but the difference here being the pin, the disarm, and the reposition. I love this because also the reposition is setting up your future Vader turns, which presumably are going to happen more often and more frequent in this game of Shatterpoint because you're playing a character that breaks the I go more often rule, right? So Correct. Think about that. You go shove, follow up, shove, follow up, reposition, and Vader's going to go again. And he just cleared a massive amount of space on the board. Exactly. Very well said, Jesse. Great tie into identity. This Vader's got me pretty excited, man. I mean, you know, I think when you compare him to Jedi Hunter, he's not obviously as powerful. But I think of the hands yeah. of someone who really knows what they're doing, takes the time to think out their plans, can maybe take advantage of the enemy, right? And create openings as Gemso is trying to do. I think you can really get a lot of mileage out of this Vader because I think. In perfect play examples, I think he's better than Jedi Hunter. Whoa. In perfect play examples. I see what you mean. We're, we're, you as this player are manipulating your decks at the perfect time. Yeah. I think if you win the game. Yeah. Like if your player rating playing Vader, Jedi Hunter was 99, and then there was another guy who was playing Emperor's Servant with 99, I'd be more scared of the 99 Emperor's Servant. That's a good point. Also, he might be a good way to control. A Jedi Hunter Vader, right? In the mirror. Mirror of sorts, you know? Because we got Vader on Vader action. But interesting. I adore this tree. My interest in Jedi Hunter Vader is very low because I think his play is very one-dimensional and very strong. And I think this Vader actually asks so many questions of you constantly that the more you play him, the more rewarding it, it's going to get over time, right? Like you're, you're going to figure out when to switch back and forth between the forms. You're going to figure out when you want him back in the deck. Or when you're not wanting him back in the deck, as Amon said earlier. And I don't know. I think all these recovers and stuff are really welcome and unexpected on Vader 2. And I'm not even thinking necessarily through the lens of, as Amon said, like removing conditions, which is phenomenal. I'm thinking through the lens of like this commander Vader on the battlefield, keeping his troops going, right? And you already hinted at Amon, the theme of Empire potentially taking damage to do more things, right? So a Vader that can recover a lot can maybe mitigate some of the... drawbacks of that empire stuff too yeah and it's not necessarily damage though i think that that may be the most obvious application like you know for anger hate and aggression he can amp up his stuff but the drawback is he gets an exposed right so i think empire is willing to put themselves in tough positions in order to kind of seal the deal in a lot of situations which i think is true what i really like about this vader as you mentioned he's that commander vader but he's also the vader it's like fine, I'll do it myself. (laughs) Yeah. So he'll just activate multiple times to get things done, which I really like. And looking at Vader's kit as a whole, you have this powerful fighter who is a little bit of a force battery, someone who is practically immune to conditions. Practically, I say, not always. Practically, yeah. Has ways to bump up dice at detriment, has ways to do out-of-activation damage through a reaction, has ways to shift 
allies around with the Empire tag through a dash and has ways to really contribute to the battlefield in multiple ways, whether it's playing the same game as a standard primary or saying, hey, I'm going to take the game in my hands with this particular unit and I'm going to do some cool things because ultimately it's a pro and a con. You delay your force regen, right? We talked about this already. Yeah. But also the predictability of your opponent knowing what you can or cannot do given what cards are in your deck, especially if it's just Vader reactivating multiple times. But there are some situations where I think it can be incredibly backbreaking and you can purposely, again, choose not to wound characters, continue to go with Vader and just shove everything, shove everything, shove everything, reposition, do it again, have a great time, and then maybe start off your turn after you've secured a struggle or secure the positioning before you're about to win a struggle to where you can crush on struggle two or struggle three <laughs> and end the game, which is super exciting. I think there's so many, so many applications. I, if you can't tell, I'm very excited about mm-hmm. the way he's going to be played. And I expect to do very cool things with this Vader. And I expect to lose games in fantastic situations because yeah. of some high level Emperor's servant play against me. Right. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And it's, I think it's going to be a tough learning curve. I think if you, it's, it's, you have to compare the two Vaders. It's almost impossible not to, but I think it's so interesting because like this Vader is a harder Vader to play. For sure. Not as obvious either what to do with him every time. Correct. And I'm not saying Jedi Hunter Vader is, is point and click. I'm saying there is more nuance so surely than that. But I think with this particular Vader, it's more of like a thinking man's Vader where you're just trying to figure out what I'm going to do and you have to take risks to learn, right? Like playing games with this Vader may not bring you early success, but I promise you if you stick with it and you grind those games and you take the time to learn from your mistakes and analyze scenarios, I promise you, you're going to be just beating people up, man. Just straight dogging (laughs) people on the battlefield. Absolutely. I love it. No, I I think this Vader is a welcome addition to the game and he's laying the groundwork of empire going forward but as Amon said he's laying a lot of groundwork for like potential powerful informed plays from great players right and you know you could think of both vader pieces as 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 queen pieces in chess right but the fact that this vader can pivot you know more and maybe do a little less damage but it's a queen piece that gets to go more <laughs> with more options oh man i I'm so excited as well, Amon. But we got to jump into the stormtroopers that come with Vader and close out this Empire discussion and kind of see what the future holds for Empire, right? Absolutely. Quick lore on stormtroopers and the stormtrooper sergeant, which are going to be, of course, together because all it is is a stormtrooper with a higher rank, which we'll talk about the ranks in a second. Stormtroopers were known as Imperial stormtroopers and were referred to in slang as bucketheads. They're the elite troops of the Empire, part of the stormtrooper corps. Uh, of course, a military branch of the Imperial Army. They're obedient soldiers that wore armor consisting of white plastoid plates, which is what the clones wore over an entire black body glove. And they mainly used the E-11 blaster rifles as their standard issue gun. But of course, when you start specializing in the Stormtrooper course through different weapons, different heavy trooper groups and stuff, you get different rifles. Of course, they're the main infantry of the Empire everywhere, and they came after the clone troopers. So they took their name from the storm of galactic history and clone troopers served as the first generation of stormtroopers, but were gradually replaced by Imperial recruits, which they called TK recruits. And so when the clones phased out due to their age, let's not forget them on clones accelerate age, right? Most of them, these young recruits 
joined and took the place. So it's also why stormtroopers are not as elite as clone troopers because they are just regular every people in the galaxy that learn skills differently at different paces. They're not manufactured all to be perfect, you know. Well, if you compare them to clone troopers, you might think otherwise. <laughs> oh. In Star Wars Shatterpoint? Yes. Yes, but in the Star Wars lore, no. Right. I agree. They're they're closer to elite B1s is what the stormtroopers are, right? They are not clone troopers, which are way above that level. Yeah, I I mean, they're the the guys of Star Wars that we see on the screen and in regards to the stormtrooper sergeant the stormtroopers had a couple ranks. They had trooper. They had a trooper that was the elevator trooper of the group, who wore the black pauldron. And then you had the sergeant who has the white pauldron, who of course is above the trooper squad one that I just mentioned. And then you had squad leaders that had the orange pads. And then you had the chiefs, which are the highest of high, which have the red pads. Now, I know it's a stormtrooper sergeant, but I think you could paint the stormtrooper sergeant with black, with white, with orange, with red. It's all up to you. Red, obviously. <laughs> red, obviously. If you continue to excel in the military and the empire, let's say you were that red pauldron chief, you could become a captain, right? And when you became a captain, you lose the armor and you're now a full-fledged imperial officer, right? And then the imperial officer stuff branches out from there. But yeah, I like the white, honestly, Amon. I really dig the white with the black lining around it which I think is what the sergeant has on his... Yeah, it's what the sergeant has on his art, on his card. But you got to love those orange, too, because it just makes you think of Tatooine when Vader's got the fire first there with their orange on Tatooine, right? The orange is super cool. I completely agree. Yeah, technically, you're right. A sergeant is white with black lines. Absolutely. Yeah. So do what you want. Make your sergeant the way you want. But yeah, the stormtroopers are great. And I think we've actually seen a lot of awesome stormtrooper content in recent years. Disney's been doing a good job with some of the shows in particular where stormtroopers have made appearances we saw like some of these rank and file guys even in mando when boba and mando fought them right we saw the different ranks we saw the heavy weapons guys we saw the e11 guns but we also saw the the big heavy weapons they brought too so yeah i think stormtroopers are great i mean you can't have star wars without them right and their costumes do slightly change between the original trilogy because budget and design you know so like I mentioned in our Vader Jedi Hunter episode, Vader does have gray on his mask. You'll never unsee it again. <laughs> the stormtroopers over the years, depending on the movie, black visors, silver visors, little details like that. And just like the clowns, they've got a lot of myriad of tools and things on their armor that help them in battle, which is great. But I want to hear about Stormtroopers and Star Wars Shatterpoint, Amon, because I think they're going to be a backbone of Empire. They're definitely going to be the backbone of Empire. Uh, at least initially, and then, of course, as we get more variations of Empire and Stormtroopers, I think it's going to be super exciting, presumably. So let's talk about our secondary unit today, the Stormtrooper Sergeant, who I will be painting up as a chief. That's right. Stormtrooper Sergeant cost three points, comes with zero force, is a single character secondary unit. We have a stamina of nine and a durability of two, which I think is fairly standard. Galactic Empire and Stormtrooper are the tags. Jesse, any comments before we get into the unit card itself? Not at all. We got tags you would expect, and we got a secondary health pool that is common, right? Yeah, especially for three points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting these three points. Yeah. In fact, nine for three is pretty solid. Yeah. Maybe this guy and Ms. Pons want to have a, a duel, you know, against each other. I'll preface this. What I really like about these stormtroopers is that you can just play them with Jedi Hunter Vader too, if you want. 
for sure. They fit in perfectly. They all have the Empire oh, yeah. tag. You're just saying point cost-wise, yeah. Point cost-wise, yeah. Perfect. Love it. It's great. Tactics ability inexorable advance. At the start of this unit's activation, you may choose an allied Galactic Empire supporting unit. Each character in the chosen unit may advance. Then, if any characters did advance, the chosen unit suffers one damage. I will mention, and I'm sure AMG will jump in on this, but I'm pretty sure this is how it is done now. If you are engaged and you can't advance, you dash instead, you will not take the damage. That is technically correct, and I am looking forward to the FAQ because that that thought did cross my mind. Yeah. Great point, Jesse. We'll see what happens with it. But future-proofing, right? This is not just Stormtroopers. This is this guy can direct all Galactic Empire supports, including sister, brother, future supports. I'm so glad you said sister and brother. It's so exciting to give them an additional advance. (laughs) It is. It's awesome. Moving on to the active ability, Imperial Firepower. Cost of force. Choose an enemy character within range four of two or more allied Galactic Empire characters. The chosen character gains pin or disarm. I love this because it reminds me of disarm from MCP a little bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Two characters in position, assuming that they're applying pressure. I really like the disarm and pin options. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it's like the gears are training my brain because I've played so much Republic clones with coordinated fire. This is coordinated fire in a way, but you're not declaring an attack. And like, I don't know, it's like, it's more positional based, less I'm attacking and positioning based. So I think that's really cool. I think it's really powerful because this isn't requiring an attack to trigger. Dude, absolutely. Like, Let's say an enemy comes in and attacks one of your stormtroopers, right? And then your stormtrooper sergeant moves into range four. You want to be within range four because this is a range character, even though they have a range five gun. I think it does allow a little bit of drawback for being able to use this ability. But at the end of the day, the enemy is just going to walk into this often. Like, they can't avoid this. No, because they have to play the game. They have to play the game. So you're just going to be able to say, you get a pin or a disarm. If it's an Anakin or a Dooku or some Grievous even, or some sort of Darth Maul-esque character, Savage, disarm, Great. obviously. Throw that on there. Magna Guards. Magna Guards. Whew. But then also, like, if they're a character that isn't very mobile... And it took them a while to get there, and you slap that pin, that is back-breaking, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Shadowpoint, you always have a lot of information when you go with your characters, right? And so you can also know what's in the deck, what's out of the deck, what's about to come up. So it's a perfect time to say, oh, what's better for me? Because as Amon just used the example, Grievous is coming up, right? He's coming up very soon. Okay, let's let's get this Imperial Firepower off on Grievous. Like, that's a a path of play I can use on this character. And I think it's great. Yeah, it's, it's... Never going to be bad in the game that we have here through the rule set we have. Absolutely. Next ability is a reactive ability called Coordinated Offensive. When a character in this unit or another allied Stormtrooper character makes an attack as part of a combat action. Before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. Add one die to the attack roll for each allied Stormtrooper unit other than the attacking unit that is within range 5 and line of sight of the target. This is awesome. Sheesh. That is right. That sums it up. This could start adding up a lot of dice. And I think Amon, we don't know if any Stormtroopers are coming in the game, but one would hope. And that would also just mean if more Stormtroopers come to the game, this just gets better and better over time. This is a Kalani effect where it's like Kalani's on the battlefield. I need to run all droid supports that I can because they're getting his coordinate all firepower, right? This is very similar to that too. Absolutely. I love this ability. You're right. It 
rewards you for being thematic by yeah. taking stormtroopers, by playing with that more thematic Empire force, and just saying, hey, if you're in a situation, man, especially Sabotage Showdown, where everything is a little bit more compact in terms of the midline to oh, that's true. Yeah. the backline, and a lot of your characters are kind of around that middle area, and they're all within range five of the target. They don't have to be you know, within range five of the attacking character. They yeah, just have yeah. to be within the target and line of sight, which you should have in most Shatterpoint games. It's very hard to avoid line of sight. That character potentially, right, can go from six, seven dice to like eight, nine dice. Yeah. It's got a very rewarding ceiling, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great. It's just only getting better the more stormtroopers we get in the game. So it's like right now I can run Vader with these stormtroopers, but in the future, if we get more stormtroopers in another squad, this is getting easier and easier. Yes. Now, in the pretense of this box, you're just getting one additional die if your other unit, because there's only two stormtroopers out in the wild. If and when they do arrive, this definitely grows, as Jesse has said. Yeah. Last ability here, innate. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Characters in the unit have sharpshooter one. Love it. Also love an Obi-Wan quote on an Empire card. Ah, you always find a way. I like it. it. It's a good one. And it actually ties really well into coordinated offensive. I can definitely see play patterns where you're already on a point, you're chilling, you don't mind going with your character, focus, get an extra dice, get two extra dice actually for sharpshooter and the focus dice itself, and then getting an extra dice via coordinated offensive means that the Stormtrooper Sergeant, who is right now shooting with six dice, goes up to nine. That is very respectable. For a three-cost secondary, that's a lot. Yeah, and zero force until he takes a wound. So That's guard dice. That's nice. Well, let's get into this tree because I want to hear about these dice, what they can do, Amon. Let's do it. Range five attack, six dice at range. Melee attack, five dice, five and five on defense. Stormtrooper armor, one to two expertise, one block, three plus two block. Anything of note, Jesse? No, normal looking stats. Range five is nice, right? Sometimes characters quite frequently would, based on the design of the game or the lore, get downgraded to four, right? But he's got his E11 rifle. I guess it's making range five. Expertise is fine. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that E11 blaster rifle expertise. One to two, a crit and a pin. Three plus a crit, two strikes and a pin. I would love to see some of this on some clones. This is good. It's very good. Besides the clone point, what I really like about this is this character can cap out and there is instances in this game where you can roll a lot of dice and you just get limited at a certain point. And what I really like about this strong expertise in the three plus range is that you can get a lot of benefit in addition to maybe fulfilling your tree and put out a lot of stuff with the stormtrooper because he's giving you that pin, right? So it's just another thing that you can add, which I really like helps you get through the tree. And then the pin on top is, is nice. Yeah, and he doesn't actually have pin on his tree. So to get a pin so consistently through expertise, it's just great. And I love that it's separate from his tree. Combat training is the melee expertise here. One to two, a damage, three plus, a strike and a damage. I think this is totally fair. These are ranged units. No, they don't want to be melee. Yeah. No, they don't want to. Now, looking at this tree here, we start at a recover and a damage. This is one of those trees where it has intersecting lines between the top row and the bottom row. So things can get a little wild here. But if we take the top path, the next tile is an expertise and a damage. And then from there, you can either go straight or you can cut diagonally below. If you go straight all the way through, you're going to get a damage and two recovers and then a recover and two damage. So overall, five damage, four recovers and expose. Yeah, it's super support. 
It's full officer mode. I love that. I do that a lot. Now, if you take the bottom tree and go straight all the way down, you start at that recover and damage. You go to shove and damage, reposition and damage, shove and damage. Four damage, a recover, two shoves, and a reposition seems pretty nice. It's a lot of movement, right? For a guy who doesn't have extra movement on his card, right? He's just a normal character in that regard. So the example earlier we were talking about with Vader, where it was like a bunch of shoves and then a reposition, this is very similar. So Ahmad Empire is looking a little sneaky mobile. It is. And what I really want to highlight about this tree is that it's it can get pretty crazy. You really can pick and choose most of what you want from both early stages of the trees. It is accessible. I don't think this is a damage piece. He's someone who enables others to hit harder. He can hit fairly decently himself. Ultimately, his goal is to either shove enemy units or protect and heal himself and units around him. Oh, absolutely. Doing a lot of support features along the way. Absolutely. He's pretty straightforward. I really like that, but I like that he has options, Amon. But let's talk about his stormtroopers that work under him. Right. So this is a four-point cost unit Okay. that consists of two characters. They are a supporting unit. They have the same stats, nine stamina, two durability, with Galactic Empire, Stormtrooper, and Trooper. All makes sense. Nine stamina is really impressive, though. This is, I, I think the theme of the Saman is it's, at least the way I'm feeling it, is B1 battle droids, where there's more Stormtroopers on the battlefield than just these two models, potentially. There's a guy to jump in his place. Exactly. There are numerous Stormtroopers, as there were, droids and perhaps even clone troopers as well but i would find what i find particularly interesting is that i think this may be more of a thematic lens like in the original trilogy they had the better armor they had the better weapons they felt like they were more trained stormtrooper squad going against some insurgents or rebels Mm -hmm. the stormtroopers are winning nine out of ten times right it's yeah more so the heroes and the other things like that that make the difference which is fascinating and very star wars in itself but yes nine health is very nice it's what you want out of a support, right? We're in the upper end there of health. Now, going on to their abilities here, there's an active ability called Assault Tactics that costs one force. Each character in this unit may dash. Then this unit may suffer damage to immediately perform a focus action. May, which is great. Optional. Yeah, this is great. This is a nice twist on our defensive maneuver, right? That kind of started the game off. And we're seeing a twist on it now. Well, Vader Jedi Hunter introduced the whole idea of using health as a resource and i think empire has now doubled down on it through all three of the units we've talked about today including the stormtroopers where you're able to take damage use your health as a resource to do additional things and i think that's super exciting super interesting and i'm curious to see how that affects future units because from a design perspective it already feels super unique yeah i would agree and i also think it would be first pass of this would say oh the empire's strong really early but as the game progresses, something like this that will cost more force and I'm taking damage when I'm further into the game is a little bit scarier, right? And that's how the battles go in the original trilogy, too. It's like, you know, when the Empire's at range getting you early in the fight, they're really powerful. But when the heroes and rebels get in the mix, then they start losing some of their efficacy. But yeah, I think this is an amazing ability. Agreed. I really like it. And great points in that it loses its efficiency later in the game, for sure. For the Empire is a, another active ability that costs a force. Action. Choose an enemy character engaged with one or more characters in this unit and one of the allied characters it is engaged with. Push the chosen enemy character two away from the chosen allied character. Then this unit gains expose. I did not expect these guys to have displacement. It comes at a cost, but it's great in a pinch. 
it's amazing. I mean, any any supports that have displacement without rolling dice is unusual in this game so far. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's very nice. Now, it's a little wordy, so this is yeah. how it works. Choose an enemy character engaged with one or more characters in this unit. So, an enemy that is engaged with a stormtrooper. And one of the allied characters it is engaged with. So, allied means it has to be engaged with a, with a character from outside the unit. Yep. So, if you fulfill those conditions, then you can push the chosen enemy character two away from the chosen allied character. So, the example would be, let's say someone rushed onto a point. You have stormtroopers and a stormtrooper sergeant. Everyone's engaged with everybody. You can push the enemy character range two away from the stormtrooper sergeant, and then your stormtroopers get exposed. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm very happy AMG made this in action. It's not common that we see abilities that are actions in this game so far. So to see one like this on a support of all characters, it shows how powerful it is, right? That you, yeah, you, I think it's cool. I think common play pattern can just be you walk up with your stormtroopers, you engage one character with an enemy character that's already engaged with an allied character as your first action, second action, boom, displace them, you win the point, don't have to roll any dice. You got potentially two or three bodies on there. It's pretty good. It's always a play pattern you can have at your disposal, right? So, Last ability here, innate. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. Again, same as the Sergeant. They have Sharpshooter 1, which ties directly into Assault Tactics. You take a damage, and you can hit a little bit harder. Good stuff. Absolutely. Let's go to their stance tree here. Range 5, 5 offensive dice at range, 5 dice at melee, 5 defense at range, 4 defense at melee. Sure. Stormtrooper armor, 1 to 2, 1 block, 3 plus 2 block. That's a little bit more in line with clones, right, Jesse? Yeah. Especially that melee, right? You don't really want to fight these guys in melee, but that's very thematic of this empire thing, right? I mean, in general. Mm -hmm. Looking on to their offensive expertise here, combat training, very low. One, a damage. Two plus, a strike and a damage. So low floor, very low ceiling. In fact, they're punished for rolling excessive expertise. Yeah, they just don't want to melee, right? It's it's very akin to B1s. Yeah. These guys, who are just regular humans with guns, man. They're not trying to punch nobody when they can just shoot them from range five away. It's much more effective, yeah. Now, the E11 blaster rifle, pin seems to be a recurring theme here. One expertise is a pin, two to three, crit damage pin, four plus, crit strike damage pin. So great ceiling, great floor, no pin on the stance tree, as you've mentioned, similarly to the sergeant. Any comments before we jump into the damage tiles? I think this is great expertise, especially for support. I think it's incredible. It's crazy how like they've got the four result and the sergeant doesn't, even though the sergeant's three result was amazing, right? Those crit, strike, strike, pin for his three result. But the auto damage is a nice addition to this too. I mean, they're just giving you a little bit of everything. I think so. And I like it. And you know, you want a staple unit, an iconic unit to have all these things. I agree. If people love Stormtroopers, you can play Stormtroopers. I assume as more primary Empire characters come out, if you can play them with Stormtroopers, why not? Stormtroopers should be good and they should function with every single Empire primary out there because they are the bread and butter. They're the backbone of the Empire. Couldn't agree more, but let's hear about their tree, Amon, because it's got some branching paths as well. It does indeed. It starts out with the damage and then from there you can go horizontally or downwards if you go downwards you get two recovers and then from here you have a shove and a damage now i want to highlight that this tile actually connects to the second spot on the top tree as well as the 
third spot on the top tree. So you can do a little bit of intersecting here. But if you continue down the bottom tree, you can go to a disarm and a damage, and then you can end in two damage. So overall, five damage, a disarm, shove, and two recovers in the most straightforward sense. Yeah, for sure. If you take the top tree, it's a damage, a strain and a damage, culminating in that shove and the damage. And then from there, you can go expose damage and two damage. So again, this time we're looking at six damage with a shove, expose, and strain. Yep, potentially seven if you got that expertise on your rifle, right? That two expertise. Yeah, not much to say. You've got options. These guys can do a lot of different stuff, and you got a lot of flexibility, which feels very military, honestly. I like it. I mean, you know, if you want to do the heavy condition stacking again, you know, you can go damage, strain damage, go down to shove damage, and then jump back up to expose damage to damage. Vice versa, you can maybe start out with some recovers and then from there go to disarm or expose and culminate the damage. Options, as you say, I like it. I dig it. I think they're a great unit. I think they're very versatile. I don't think they're super advanced. I think they're quite basic in their potential application and play patterns. Yeah. But you have some cool tricks, particularly assault tactics. And for the Empire, that action, that displacement, that's diceless is pretty cool. And I now realize why they have nine stamina because they have the opportunity to use that stamina as a resource. So if you do use Assault Tactics, you're playing with 8 instead of 9, and you probably are going to use that. But then again, they have so many recovers where it may not matter. So it's fascinating. I think they're a good unit. They're like souped up B1s, right, with more options, which would make sense with the point cost. And I think they might be the backbone of the Empire going forward. At least thematically they will be because they are the regular Stormtroopers. Well, Mon, how do we play this box as a whole? This box is quite fascinating to play as a whole. I think overall... What this box is allowing you to do is it's allowing you to hold points with your stormtroopers. You don't really have to worry about them too much. They have ways of doing damage, but they're playing the most standard pattern that this game wants you to play. It's to get onto points and be able to protect and defend those points and provide ranged bonuses, whether it's through damage or through maybe some Imperial firepower shenanigans with the sergeant. But ultimately, this box is all about Daddy Vader. And that's what you want, right? You want Vader to come in and maximize his use. He's going to be, I think, one of the most interesting pieces this game is going to see, especially in Empire, because of the way that his identity works. And so learning this box and playing this box is all about maximizing you cannot hide forever. Because it's inevitable. You are going to activate Vader at least one more time than you plan on, because the dice sometimes won't work out or your opponent spikes on dice. But I think finding that clear strategy and really big braining it will help you succeed so much and that's why i think the stormtrooper sergeant and the stormtroopers they're good but they're not complicated because your brain power needs to be spent on trying to figure out what you're doing with vader and they're simply just supporting pieces there to help you score points and maybe help vader wound stuff absolutely and let's also not forget vader's mini identity perhaps i can find new ways to motivate them that's also awesome because you can always, when you wound with Vader, you can retake points on the board with your stormtroopers, right? Your other Empire units with Fifth Brother, whoever it is, right? Move them up the table, get them back on positions. And once again, as Amon said, keep focusing all your power on using that Vader queen piece to best maximize what it's doing as your pawns move up the board, right? It's very thematic. It's very Commander Vader. I dig it. Well, we want to tell you guys the place you can find us. 
because we would love to engage with you guys about Empire Conversations. But first, we got to mention our show is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to patreon.com slash hello there cast. Now's the perfect time to jump on and join the Patreon because we are finishing up our league and we're starting a new league, a new hope, as Amon dubbed it, episode four. And our consolidation league is also in full swing. And we got some stuff we want to do this year, like we said in our Adepticon episode, and a lot of that's going to be coordinated through the Discord and places like that. And a lot of fun conversations are happening right now about Empire and Ewoks in particular. So come join us there. Of course, you can find us everywhere online at the same place, at Hello There Cast. That's X, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You can email us at hellotherecast at gmail.com and leave us five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It helps us out. Absolutely. And please give us some rated reviews on Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you so much for supporting us and answering the call to give us some reviews on Spotify. We're now just trying to improve our reviews and our exposure on podcast, Apple Podcasts as well. Jesse, where can everyone find you? Yeah, you can find me all at the same place at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. You can find me on X, Instagram, Longshanks, Discord. And check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. Amon, where can everyone find you? You can find me at most places at Amon. I should be the only one. And you can also listen to me on Path to Glory, my Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Awesome. Well, we hope you guys jump into the Galactic Empire with us. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Don't underestimate the power of the dark side. So uncivilized.